Shut up and sit down. Hello, strangers, and welcome to episode 65 of Strangers in a Cinema. Uh, there are three of us, well, four of us, if you include Jack. Are we include, we're including yeah, Jack. Yeah, I think so. There's we four of us that, here this week. We? So did, did it count as a fourth person? Three, three and a half. half a person. Three okay. and a half, I think. Okay. So, yes. So, to, to say hello to everyone that's here, there's myself, uh, Paul Anderson. There is uh, regular co-host Pete Wall. Claire Clark is back with us this week as well, which is good news. So, um, we trust we trust you enjoyed yourself last week, so you've come back. So, hello, I Claire. Good. Hello. That's that's good to know. Uh, and oh yes, Jack Mills is here. Yes. Producer Jack's Producer here again. Jack. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, Paul. Talking of enjoying ourselves, it was uh, very much uh, well. Those are the watchwords of this weekend because. Um, I think you're not too shy to talk about the fact that it was actually your wedding reception on Saturday night, right? It was my wedding reception on Saturday night. And, um, and anyone yes. who listens to this and has sort of heard Paul talk about his character off off mic, um, he's not a man who sort of likes a drink or a party. So it was a quiet <laughs> affair. We had some board games. We had some nibbles. Uh, this is classy stuff. No, we we had a we had a wonderful time. A uh, wonderful time that for some of us, Paul, went on into the early early hours. When the early hours of the next day, four five a.m. Five a.m. I think we finished. Yeah, at, at one point there was. Um, at one point I decided I was going to do karaoke um, to uh, Dare from Transformers the Animated Movie which I'm sure everyone enjoyed a lot um, your best man speech uh, Pete moved me to tears so that was actually yes. quite emotional it, much like I probably cried at the end of your best man speech in the same way I cried at the end of The Dark Knight Rises so that was quite embarrassing right, to and, honest, and so. I can tell the, the strangers <laughs> community out there that the thing that apparently pushed Paul over to the edge into like horrible tears was a reference to Vin Diesel as Dominic Toretto <laughs> in, in Fast and Furious which uh, yeah which was for me a sort of double win do I the think. impression and I'll see if I cry this time Paul uh, you're you're the kind of guy who hasn't got <laughs> friends. You got family. That was yeah. See, I've welled up a little bit now. So I've got goosebumps. No one can see that because we're doing a podcast, of course. But anyway, so <laughs> basically, sorry, Claire, because uh, you, you have no idea what we're talking about now. To be honest, really? I don't think so. We're just, a little, we're just, little um, insight yes, into a li- what you a little insight. Do. A little insight. So yeah, Saturday was a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, the the point of bringing all this up, uh, Pete, is what. Well, with that, with that party time in mind, we thought we'd kick this episode off by going around the group and asking everyone, what is a scene from, or a film featuring a scene, of uh, raucous partying, or some kind of party, that you particularly enjoyed? Paul, given that it was your reception, I think you should kick this thing off. What did first come to mind for you? Uh, beer fest. <laughs> <laughs> Seems Broken, so fitting. Broken Lizards Beer Fest, which... I am aware will not be to everyone's taste. Um, has anyone else seen this, or has anyone else seen Beer Fest? It's one of those that I've been told to see by a bunch of people, or at least it comes up all the time. We're going to be like Beer Fest, like you did Beer Fest. <laughs> and I'm like, I should probably see it sometime. I haven't seen it. Claire, have you seen Beer Fest? I've not, not seen it. Okay, should I? Um, possibly. <laughs> is it is it a live action? Is it a documentary? You know, it's it's, it's live action. Um, it basically, it's by the, the Broken Lizard guys who made Super Troopers. Is the only okay. one aware of Super yeah. Troopers? Yeah. yeah. So it's the guy. Same. That's it's the same cast. Cool. Yeah. It's the same guys that made um, Super Troopers. And basically, they um, go it, go to Germany and end up um, going to beer fest and happen across a secret drinking competition and they get beaten. So the the American team goes back to train uh, at home and then comes back to beer fest the following year uh, and they get the all sorts of sort of drinking games ensue and it's very very silly. And there is a rumour, and I don't know how true this is, that I think for the last two hours of filming each day, they were in fact quite drunk. Um, so a lot of the scenes you see when they're, they look to be inebriated, I mean, if you watch the film, I've got a feeling it might be true. There's, there's, it's just very method, just like Daniel Day-Lewis type yeah, poetry, I mean, isn't it? Yeah, except probably a bit more fun than working with Daniel Day-Lewis, they, I imagine. Or what they said, t- talking of Daniels, one Daniel Dyer in, uh, in uh, Human Traffic, they said that they were on a lot of uh, powders, I think, for, for parts of that. Oh, okay, so yeah, so... Um, yeah, Beer Fest is very silly. That would be my, my sort of favourite drinking stroke party film. Um, and it sums up me. It basically, yeah, if you want an indication of what a night out with me is like, watch Beer Fest. Uh, it's, it's fun, but nonsensical. I did, think, is that fair? Does anyone sing Michael Bolton during the, uh, <laughs> the film? No, which I also did, so thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, Claire, what's your, have you got any favourite favorite party scenes in France? Uh, I would say I'm slightly more sophisticated in that I would go for uh, The Great Gatsby, Baz Luhrmann's exactly like my Gatsby. wedding reception. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like my wedding reception, yes. yes. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Yeah. I need what? to see photos of that. <laughs> uh, what appeals to you? In the, what appeals to you about the Great Gatsby? Apart from Leonardo DiCaprio, one would assume. 
you know, there's that. But also the, the dresses and the cocktails and that era. I love that era. It was super beautiful. And it's when, I don't know, I think it was a, quite a turning point for a lot of women, I think, um, without going on the whole feminist route. But I think women were starting to wear trousers a bit more. But fabulous trousers, lovely wide leg stuff. <laughs> and really fabulous, fabulous dresses. Good, good. Oh, yeah, the par- fashion thing. To be fair, the, the party in the Great Gatsby is is incredible. So, yeah, to be and wasn't it uh, Paul, your your better half who put up the uh, the meme about Leonardo DiCaprio films showing the evolution of a night out? Of a night out, yeah. If, oh, if you yeah, haven't yeah. seen this video yet, it's you should. It's fantastic. We'll share it. We'll we'll put it on the uh, on the Strangers Facebook page for everyone to watch. So if if you haven't found this video yet, it's incredible. So yeah, it starts it's with. Quite, it's quite amazing how many parties Leonardo DiCaprio features in because there's if correct me if I'm wrong there's Great Gatsby yeah. and then there'll be Wolf of Wall Street and Romeo and Juliet with the fish tank yeah. and everything and there's probably a lot more uh, probably the beach at some point there was a party I think there probably so, wasn't the beach yeah yeah they must that must be one of his um <laughs> were they were they wait no it's only uh, rock star a rider, rider. yeah, yeah be must either. have a party <laughs> I think so. I think so. Right, Pete. So um, I've picked for mine. I don't know. It just it just struck me as something that maybe the party itself isn't the thing that was as interesting as just the way in which the party was filmed. I'm choosing uh, the film Victoria from 2015, which I think maybe Paul you talked about on the show. I think we, it was a popcorn movie. Both did, yeah. Me, um, weeks back, yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen this, um, I would highly recommend it because it's one of those films that's done in this apparent single take. Yes. And so you follow the protagonist through, uh, it's not so much a, a sort of private party, it's like a nightclub scene, that then she rolls out of the nightclub and sort of on with her journey through this messed up night of kind of smaller crimes turning into bigger crimes and, and uh, repercussions and stuff like that. But it it's reminiscent maybe of something like the opening to um, Irreversible, but without all of the sort of... Um, Slightly seedier side of, of that movie. Slightly seedy, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, but Victoria, yeah, it's sort of like pounding music and strobe lighting and no no cuts is a, a pretty effective way, I think, to see those kind of scenes. So that, that came to mind first of all. And, and interesting enough, it's directed by um, a man called Sebastian Chipper who was in Run Lola Run, which is another example of like a really hyper-connected okay. film that, that I would recommend. So yeah, that one's Victoria. Good. Um, cool. That was a section that we did, and it's now that finished. That was a section, yes. Take yes. us out of this, Paul. What are we doing next? Uh, next up, we have uh, popcorn movies. So, popcorn movies, Paul. I'm back, and so I'm going to lay down my demands. And my first demand is, because I'm really important, I get to uh, talk about two films. Is that right? Yeah, but it doesn't mean you get to go first, though. I, li- I like the fact that you've decided you get to talk about two films because you had a week off. Yeah. Like, some kind of reward for absenteeism. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I, uh, I flunked out of the last episode, and now I should be praised for that by being allowed to talk more. I mean, do you want to... Claire, would you like to go first? Do you know what? Let's let's break out. I reckon somebody else can go first. You haven't even done a podcast with Pete yet, and you already want to break him up from talking. I like this. I like this. So you've definitely heard the show before. So so we'll let Pete go first, and then I'll do my. We're going to let Pete go first, apparently. Which I, you know, I'm. You're fine. Go first, Pete. Okay, I'll I'll go first, um, and I'll go with a man who believes that first is the only position, and that's uh, Conor McGregor. I saw recently Notorious. um, This is a 2017 documentary film that was shown in, I guess, what we would call simulcast, where the event is screened live, not as they're making the film, but like for the for, for the premiere, it's shown in a number of cinemas at the same there time. There was like a Q&A afterwards. That's some, right. I did, yeah. a similar thing, I did a similar thing when Shane came out, I think. It was a, it was right, like and a I think the, the Nick Cave yeah. uh, film, One More Time With Feeling, was a similar kind yeah. of deal as well, and which means you have to pay an extortionate amount of money for the ticket, but it's cool, because it's about, uh, as you were saying earlier on, two things that I love, MMA and films. Um, I'll try and keep it as brief as I possibly can. Anyone who's not aware, because um, they've been living under a rock for a while, of Conor McGregor, he is an uh, Irish gentleman who came from being on the dole to being a multi-multi-millionaire in about four and a half years. Um, this film charts that rise from his early days as a sort of plucky, gobby kid in the gym 
to the moment that he fights, or just about the moment that he fights Floyd Mayweather in a boxing bout that generated both fighters tens of millions of dollars off the back of sort of a lot of hype and, and not a lot else. I would say that given I'm such already a kind of hardcore MMA fan, if you're like me, you're going to want to see this film because of the way that it will be a great feeling to live through those moments again, those but iconic moments does, in the career. Does the knowing like, a lot about the, the subject matter already, does this harm the film in any way? Did, it, do you know what I mean? Because sometimes when you go into a subject matter, when you go into a documentary knowing a lot about it already, you sit there and go, well, why did I bother? Is, does it add anything new that you didn't Yeah, I, know I would before, say, or? yeah, that, that might be a concern to an extent. I mean, I think for myself, because I've seen all of this footage before, not the behind the scenes stuff, and maybe that's what I like the most, the bit that's like in the locker room or like the earlier days Conor McGregor stuff and the like little home videos. I really appreciate that. In terms of the action, I did watch it with this eye of like, I see what they're leaving out, you know, how they're deciding to tell this story. Of course, we know that, you know, history is written by the victors. And in this case, it's very much a bit like that film Straight Outta Compton. I mean, they're not yeah. similar in many other ways, but, uh, you know, the story of the rise of this individual is incredible. But the way that a couple of key um, sections have been omitted maybe makes him look as good as possible. Um, there are controversies, a couple of controversies surrounding Conor McGregor, not least um, using homophobic language. Obviously, that's nowhere near a film like this. At the beginning of the film, it, one of the uh, production companies, or maybe the pro main production company, is McGregor Sports and Entertainment. So would so, you say it's more a promotional video than it is, it is a, like it is. a hard-hitting It is. It's a sort of myth-making promotional uh, greatest hits tour through a career. But that's taking nothing away from the fact that it is... A remarkable career and if you're only you know even passingly interested in combat sports you've got an interest in, in boxing and MMA in, in any capacity I would recommend this I mean from Paul you know uh, as a guy with almost three hours worth of combat experience myself um, <laughs> before I before I broke my hand and brought myself out for three months um, I'm exactly the person you come to for, Pete Wall, for notorious yeah yeah notorious in my gym where I showed up three times and then couldn't go anymore um, but yeah, it, it, it's good. It's a shame to me, and this will be my last point on this one, because I, I can see Paul looking at me with, with evil eyes. Um, <laughs> th there is a section in Conor McGregor's career where he suffered a really bad knee injury and was laid off for a, a decent period of time, well over a year. And for some reason, that's not included in this film. And I found that strange, because I thought that that was, for me, when he was being interviewed in that time and talking himself up before he'd won any titles in the UFC or got anywhere near the likes of Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather, uh, Mayweather I should say, the, the fact the guy had such self-belief when he was climbing a mountain back to fitness seemed to me like it would be at the centre of this thing. So some of the filmmaking choices I think could have been better. Some of the production values, not in the cage, not in the ring, but maybe some of the stuff outside seems of varying quality in terms of the filmmaking. Mm. With all those things having been said, yeah, if you're a fight fan of any kind, check it out. It's notorious from this year, 2017. It'll be available soon. Paul, Good. what have you got? Well, I've got uh, first... Oh, no, I say first. We've only got one each, Claire. So, yes, sorry. We do, not, yeah. not first. Only The only one I've got uh, <laughs> would be um, The Killing of a Sacred Deer from uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. Is that right, Pete? That's good enough. Good, thank you. Sorry, Pete, Pete normally corrects the pronunciation of, uh, of anything that we say on here. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, as long as I get Pete's approval, that's important. Uh, yes, so this is his latest film uh, starring Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman. Um, I'm a big fan of the director. Um, I very much like his... Is, it, is Dogtooth his first film? I think it is, isn't it? Or first... Uh, first Alps was his first no, Alps was after Doctor Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Stand so, Said the man in the orthopaedic shoes. Yeah. Go ahead, Paul. <laughs> uh, oh, Christ, sorry. Uh, yes, so Dogtooth, I believe, was his first film, which I very much enjoyed. Alps, it was kind of either way on, but The Lobster I really, really rated. Um, again, this is this is so he's reuniting with Colin Farrell. Um, I'll try not to give too much away on this film because it really you really don't want to know much before going into it because that, that's kind of how his films work. Um, it's very 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 black humour again, which is what I really like. He's, he's got it's got a very mischievous streak, and I think a lot of people a lot of people would argue his films are disturbing, and in, in, in some ways they are, but they're also at the same time for me at least very very funny, um, and they're meant to be sort of pitch black comedy. Um, what I will say with um, Sacred Deer though is for me it didn't feel quite as original as some of his previous work um, and I think that's because there is a short film in the sort of 
compilation of films called XX, uh, which I've talked about on the show before, which are um, female-led horror films directed by women, written by women, and mostly starring women. Um, and there's one there's one film on there called The Box, um, and basically this I don't I don't I would imagine this isn't deliberate, um, but this film Killing of a Sacred Deer does almost feel like. Uh, almost like a feature rerun of that short even though he had nothing to do with that so I'm going to put that down to coincidence because I don't think he's a director that would intentionally plagiarise something um, so for me this didn't feel quite as original as something like The Lobster or Dogtooth but there's still a lot to like he's still got an, an, an amazing visual style and I think Colin Farrell is turning into actually quite a, quite a talented actor and Nicole Kidman again is just again she, Nicole Kidman's reconnaissance I think is the best way to describe it she's just making she's just constantly making good work I think, yeah we've got to come moment, up with so. a better sort of portmanteau title for that and we've with the yeah. actual name rather than yes not that, just that everyone, everyone's the, having a reconnaissance at the moment yeah. well, well the, the, whole, <laughs> the thing you were saying about the feminist filmmakers and stuff like that or women directing women yeah. and so on and then we, we're going to go with a Kidman nickname that relates to a man yes uh, we got to do better but we'll come up with <laughs> a something kid, a Kidmonissance that'll do oh, yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> Um, from the IMDb Corrections Department, apparently Kinetta is his first film from 2005. Oh, okay. uh, I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen I it. I think okay. it might be a bit hard to Dogtooth, come I think, it was his first. Dogtooth is the first film of, I think, that broke, that's his right. breakout yeah, film, exactly I think right, would be yeah. fair to say. Um, I, Claire, was, what I was gutted. They, they, they showed a Dogtooth on Film 4 only the other day, and I oh, okay. got to record it. You should so definitely check that. it out. It's, I, say, I, first I love Lobster. I think it's, yeah, Lobster was great. I think it's... I think Dogtooth is certainly better than Alps. Alps is still quite interesting, but it doesn't hasn't really stuck with me. Whereas Dogtooth, oh, you've seen Dogtooth. Dogtooth is my favourite yeah. of his films. Yeah, yeah. I, I so think it's fantastic. definitely check out Dogtooth if you haven't seen that. Yet. That was that's, that's well worth a watch. There you go. I said it. I said worth a watch on the podcast. Claire, that was your first one. There'll be lots <laughs> of those. You're lucky. You're lucky. I've said it. Um, it's, it's like we were we were watching uh, the other day um, the Hitman's Bodyguard. I don't know why I'm an idiot and uh, doing that thing where it's like, why isn't there a drinking game that we played through this, which is every time Samuel L. Jackson says motherfucker, I think. Every time Paul says worth a watch, it would be the strangers drinking game. Um, but now that you're looking at me with that look, I'm yeah. going to say everyone would remain sober throughout every episode. Yeah, they would, yeah. Claire, well, what every have you got? time you go on too long. Yes, Claire, <laughs> what, what have you got for us? <laughs> okay, well, I've got um, What Happened to Monday, which um, is a, a Netflix film, so you can find it on Netflix. It's quite easily found. Um, so to set this up, it's quite a, it's kind of complicated actually, so it might take me a little while, so bear with me. Um, so it's set in uh, 2073, so way beyond Blade Runner, um, and it's in a, a world that's overpopulated and has resulted in families only being permitted one child per family. And with evolution doing its thing, humans are susceptible to multiple births, so the parents can only keep one of twins a tri- triplets and uh, and so on and even more like women having litters of children um so these um septuplets are born or a and litter of new moon replace i like that i like that idea. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's seven women seven seven sisters all played by rumi rumi replace is that how you mean but uh, because of uh, the government putting down this law that there can only be one child per family, their grandfather raises them, played by Willem Dufoe, um, in complete secrecy because their mother died, unsurprisingly, in childbirth. So, um, so he raises these seven child, uh, girl, girls to be secretive and he names them after the, the days of the week. So it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, blah, blah, for seven, seven kids. And when they get to school age, they can go out of the house um, on the day that they're named. So, but they have to have this um, sort of a, a pseudonym, a name, a character that they all go by, which is Karen Setman, which is her, their mother's name. So, this is all just at the beginning. It's like the first half hour of the film. <laughs> so, and then it goes forward to it. They're in their early thirties. And they've been living basically this secret for 30 years, living um, in walls whenever anyone knocks on the door. Um, and then the government kind of gets wind of what's going on. It means that, you know, six of them are going to have to be, um, well, what everyone believes to be cry- cryogenically uh, put to sleep. Frozen, that's the word. <laughs> so basically, it's a bit of a cat and mouse type uh, film where they have to they're all 
running away from the government. Um, and the premise was very much like watching a, a feature-length Black Mirror, if anyone's familiar with the Black Mirror that you can now catch on Netflix. Um, it's got that kind of dark, um, dystopian kind of feel to it. And there's elements of like the undercover spy because she's always pretending to be somebody else. And a bit of like the um, films of the Second World about the Second World War of like Jews hiding in walls and under floorboards and things like that whenever the Nazis come knocking. So it's, it's, it was quite, I found it really interesting and I think that uh, Numi Rapace was fantastic. She plays these seven characters much like James McAvoy in Split whereas he's just that one person with multiple personalities. She's actually seven so there's at some points there's seven of her on the screen and then I did think um, is this going to work? Is it, you know, the effect's going to be a bit, well, it's going to be better than uh, Hayley Mills in Parent Trap when there's just a split screen. <laughs> but it worked, I think it worked really, really well. And um, the director, uh, Tommy Wakola, I'm not too sure how to pronounce his surname. That might be one for Pete to correct me on. But he directed Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. He's, and he's, Dead Snow, I believe. Yeah, mm. he did, Snow, one yeah. Two, yeah. yeah. So it's Norwegian, and it had that Nordic feel, um, action thriller. Um, it got some pretty damning reviews, but I would still recommend it, actually. I thought it was quite interesting. It's like it's not like anything I'd really seen before. Have you guys seen it? Yes. Yeah. I think, think? I think this is a, <laughs> a, one, of those, one of those rare situations where, where all four of us have seen the film, right? Yeah. Yes, Even Jack's seen this. Yeah, I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting what you said, Claire. I th- I thought that... Um, well, I really like Numira Pass as an actress, and I want her to do well. You sort of feel for her. Like, I kind of... I hate when people say this, but I sort of root for her, just in general, in oh, most, yeah, t- yeah, in t- most t- things. Um, and she seems like she'd be a lovely person in real life. I just think that she has uh, the ability to do a lot, but play seven different characters is, is maybe not one of those abilities. And I felt like too much of the characterization sort of blended together much like I think a lot of the um, visual stuff in this film to me felt a bit blended and a bit like washed out the world to me didn't feel big or alive enough I guess um, in this film which made it then fall into that category that Paul and I have seemingly fixated on a few times which is Netflix productions that may be a slightly less than we'd hoped they would be or a snappier version of that title, right? Well, what did you think about it? Uh, I can't. I'm, I think I'm going to decide with you on this one, Pete. I didn't. I, I liked the concept, as as Claire said. And I think that the concept's interesting. And again, mm. I, I'll, I'm going to steal your term here. I'm going to co-sign on the fact that I think I do like Naomi Replace a lot as an actress. And I think certain ones of the characters were interesting. I think I've seen this done better in um, series one of what was the thing about the clones. Or are they clones? Um, Westworld? No, not Westworld. There's one girl, she plays multiple roles. Humans? Um, no, oh. not humans. We're getting closer. We're going to be blankly now. <laughs> yeah, I am. I was going to say United States of Tara is the no. thing that I referenced at the time. No, some, everyone like... listening at home is probably screaming the title at me now. Is this a TV series? It's a TV it series, yeah. It's a TV series that was on BBC for a little while and is now actually on Netflix. Anyway, I thought it was done better on that TV show that we've all forgotten the name of. Orphan Black. Orphan Black. That's oh, the best TV show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maslani. Thank you. Well done, yeah. Jack. Well, yes, you've, that's quite you've all right. shown your metal this evening. <laughs> 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 yeah, or to, so yeah, Orphan Black. I Tatiana thought was, and Maslani. Is yes, the, that, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so I just think I've seen this, this done better there. And, I, and again, I've seen this kind of this kind of dark dystopian um, sci-fi done, I think, so well in Black Mirror that anything that, that tries to be like it, I think yeah, it just, need, just needs to be very, very good. Um, it's so, coming back as well, isn't it, Black Mirror? Oh, is Probably it? Quite okay. Soon, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... What did you think, Jack? I'm going to side with Pete. Where, where are you standing? Uh, I think definitely with Claire, because I actually, when I first watched it, thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing. Um, because, as you said, she's a great actress... Um, but I think there are certain points where it is a bit mis- mismatch and it doesn't really make sense and I was a bit like mm, I might give up on this but I did watch all the way through and it was a good film 
Yeah, well, I think you should jump on the opportunity to, to be on Claire's side, not least because of the fact that now there are four of us and not three. You can't have, like, just me and Paul being dicks and deciding that we've, we're right and we're going to put you in the minority because there's only one of you. And so, yeah, I think that's a score draw on uh, that, that film, it sounds like. Yes, I think In a new is. feature of, uh, I don't know. Are we, just, are we scoring? Yeah. Well, I suppose we scored films once and then stopped it again. Yeah, so we did. Incidentally, <laughs> incidentally whilst yeah. this thing falls into a complete disorganised mess... Um, the, I spoke to someone at your reception the other day, Paul, a listener to this show, and he said, I really like your show, actually, I really enjoy it. The one part I don't like is that part where you score the feature films. And I was like, we only did that for one episode, and then we forgot <laughs> to do it after that, and it was 100% my idea, so I'll take that one on the chin. Yeah, I told you we shouldn't do a scoring yeah. system, Pete, I Bad did idea. say. Uh, right, so that is what uh, happened to that, Monday, um, and what mm-hmm. have we got now? You've got one more, Pete, haven't I've you? got one Apparently. more, because as I said, I'm very special. Yeah. Um, it's worth it, though, Paul, I think you might agree if you get a chance to see this one. Uh, this is another 2017 documentary. Uh, You've name... watched the documentary? I don't believe it. For one second that you watched another documentary. Do you ever watch narrative cinema, ever? I, uh, we're here and there. Um, <laughs> I, uh, as I said a couple of episodes back, I have joined the service movie, and then I think, Paul, you said you're on it. Jack has now joined it as well, so strangers are really getting behind them. If they want to send us anything, you know... Yeah, so if, you're listening, if you're listening to a movie, um, give us some free subscriptions. Yes, please. Good, yeah. um, and then we'll review every film that you so, show. So on movie, I caught up with a film that I believe played at the London Film Festival um, somewhere in the you know dark dusty corner that nobody noticed. What London? Uh, no, no, no. I mean in the program. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, you know, off off the beaten track or whatever. But this one's from a British film director called Carol Salter. It's called Almost Heaven. And um, I don't know if I said that already. That's why that was so underplayed. It's called Almost Heaven, and it's set in mainland China and follows a girl called Yingling. Um, it's dealing with uh, something I don't really know much about, which is the fact that uh, a lot of young Chinese uh, kids, essentially teenagers, are having to travel a very long distance in order to find adequate work to provide money basically for themselves and their families. I don't know if this is a, a topic where I'm you know, ignorant or something like that. But um, Yingling is this very sort of youthful, even for 17 looking girl, who has travelled all this way away from her family to take a job working in a mortuary. So day to day, she has no choice but to go to training, to classes, as a trainee mortician with um, another young lad who I think is a couple of years older but looks no older than her. And as a team, they have to learn you know, how to wash the bodies, prepare the bodies, deal with being surrounded by death all of the time in this sort of what's almost like a super-sized mortuary somewhere in mainland China. The film works for me because it does a really good job of subtly um, contrasting the aspirations of these young people for youthful things. At one point they go to a gaming arcade and play like Dance Dance Revolution and stuff like that and like, you know, whatever those on-rails shooting games are that you have, like time... Oh, wow, yeah. I don't want to say time... Time splitters? No. No. Paul, this is where you... How old are you now? When when did you not know what Time Crisis is? Time time Crisis? crisis. (laughs) Thank you. I was worried about you there. You've got got two consoles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so you see all of this like youthful energy and even like a bit of um, bubbling sort of romance between the two of them on the other hand they're constantly faced by death and the end of life and it becomes quietly quite profound because the girl doesn't want to be doing the job she's not like this studious devotee of this profession basically she wants to be having fun and she wants to be having a life that she wants but in many ways I think around the world in 2017 a lot of people are in the position where they're doing a thing they don't really want to do for a future that they're not really sure of like Jack producing this podcast exactly like that (laughs) this is your mortuary Jack yeah okay Uh... because you're with a couple of corpses right I'm making a joke about us there Jack yeah that's fine yeah thanks because we're old yeah. No, I didn't get that bit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, that one is called uh, Almost Heaven. I, I'm sorry to say it might be a little bit hard to come by right now, but I'm sure in due course it'll be on another streaming service um, just because... Oh, movie... it's one of those drop, it's on movie, movie and then drops off movie. Is that the kind of thing? That's correct, yeah. yeah. It had been yeah. on there for, for a 30-day run and I think it's gone now. For yeah. like a streaming service? Yeah. It, it, 
Yeah. Well, as we were saying, I think we're all kind of big advocates of this thing. Go back a couple of episodes, you'll hear why, because we talked about it then. But yeah, try and find this one if you can. And I will follow the career of Carol Salter, because I think she's got a lot going for her. It's a really graceful, uh, sort of well-made documentary. Cool. So, right, uh, check cool. it out. Uh, right, after this brief interval, we will be back with our coming attractions. So, coming attractions, what we're excited about, I'm going to go with something that um, we always have to bring in our slogan here, Paul, which is like, we probably won't get this where we are, but this is a film that... Oh, released... Don't start me on that this week. <laughs> oh, fucking cinema. Sorry, let's, let's, let's keep things positive. Um, this one is Good Time. I don't know a great deal about it because... It, Generally speaking, I, I sort of try and avoid trailers, which is not very useful for this show, but um, helps me out <laughs> knowing. Uh, it's directed by the Safdie brothers, Josh and Benny, and it stars Robert Pattinson. Now, what I hope is that Robert Pattinson is climbing to the heady heights of Kristen Stewart so that Twilight was all sort of worth it for launching these people into the world. I say that on Robert Pattinson's part because of the fact that I so enjoyed Cosmopolis, um, the Don DeLillo adaptation that David Cronenberg did. And um, also the the lost city of Z, let's say Z. Yeah. I don't know which yeah. episode well, he was in that as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was good in that. I think he's an actor with with and the rover. Skills. He was decent in the rover. He was good yeah. in the rover as well. Yeah. So Robert Pattinson's new thing is enough to attract me. It's called Good Time. Um, briefly, it's uh, reading here directly from the synopsis. After a heist goes awry, a bank robber spends a night trying to free his mentally ill brother from being sent to Rikers Island Prison. Um, all sounds quite tense. Jennifer Jason Lee's in this one as well. I'm excited. It's a good time. Hopefully, I'll get to see it soon. That would be a good time. And hopefully, you'll have. Oh, you've just told him my joke. Oh. Yeah, never mind. Right, Claire, what have you got? Some attractions. Just to ignore the fact I told Pete's joke there. Uh, what have you got? <laughs> well, this one I'm looking forward to, but I've got to wait a little while. It comes out in March next year, and that is the sequel to uh, animated uh, feature Nomeo and Juliet. So this is going nice. to be Sherlock Gnomes. Oh, clever. See what they've done. Uh-huh. I think I see, what they've, yeah, yeah. I see what they've done there. I get it. There's going to be a lot of this. Uh, basically, Nomeo and Juliet recruit uh, the renowned detective to, to investigate the mysterious disappearance of other garden ornaments. Now, the trailer is lovely because you see the coming back of all the characters you fall in love with in the first one. So um, there's James McAvoy as Nomeo, uh, Emily Blunt as Juliet. And then there's Maggie Smith and Michael Caine and Matt Lucas. And I'm hoping Jason Statham is going to be in the second one because I loved him in the first one. But actually, think about it. I've not seen Juliet. I need to re watch it because I'm worried because it's obviously based on Romeo and Juliet. I'm starting to worry, thinking, oh no, was he Mercutio type character and got axed? Um, anyway, did no you story. watch the first one then, or do you, do you don't yeah. appear to have seen it? You were questioning what happened. Did you see it, or are you just dying for the sake of the podcast? <laughs> no, I saw it in 2011. I've oh, okay, that's fine. Is that since. old? Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize it was that old. I've never seen it. Have you seen it, Pete? Have you seen No Me and You there? You know, I haven't. No. Um, and and Jack has. I can't say I have. Actually. Okay. My, oh, my girlfriend, I... I, I can't believe that I haven't seen it, given that it is so up Fran Street as to be ridiculous. So, yeah, I probably will see it in So, maybe future. a movie night soon then. Yeah, so we should watch it, Claire. Should be. Is this what you I, yeah. I do recommend it. It was um, The original one was by uh, Kelly Asbury, who um, did Shrek 2. So, okay. the. the the, the uh, animation is beautiful. It's all colourful and beautifully rendered and, and all that. That's great. But it's really, it was very, very funny and very, very British in a, in a good way because it was also produced by Elton John and David Furnish. Okay. So there's a lot of Elton John music in it. It's, it's, it's a feel-good movie. Um, so this time round, we have a different director. This time we've got uh, John Stevenson, who did Kung Fu Panda. Again, amazing anime animation. Oh, so, Kung Fu Panda, yeah. Give, uh, yeah, that's like going to be pretty up there. It's uh, produced by Elton John and David Finish again. So we're looking for the same kind of quality of, of music coming in and, and it being fun and very British. And this time, the, it was written by um, Andy Riley, who's got a lot of British comedy writing behind him um, and he's also written for um, Ardman Animations so okay. the, the, yeah. who, who did uh, Wallace and Gromit and Pete 
things like that. Um, and he also wrote for Smack the Pony, and he, he, he um, co-wrote it with Kevin Cecil, who wrote Black Books, which is one of my favourite comedies of the early millennium, I think. It was late well. in the 90s. Yeah. So, um, watching the trailer, it, you kind of think, okay, this is going to be um, almost like a carry-on crime caper. It's going to be that funny little <laughs> little blushes of naughtiness um, without without it being shocking to children. It's going to go over their heads and it's going to appeal to the parents or aunties and uncles who are taking the kiddies along. Um, and it just looks loads of fun. And we've got this time, we've got uh, Johnny Depp as Sherlock Gnomes and Chiwetel Ejiofor as uh, Watson. So, I mean, it's a good cast. It's going to be great. So I'm really looking forward to that. Well, it's, well, it's, it's Chiwetel uh sort of meaty role after he took a break with 12 as a slave right yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was going to say I, I saw him as a fellow on stage I'm going to oh, keep nice. dropping this in I, I go to the theatre a lot I okay. saw him opposite uh, Ewan McGregor and with Tom Hiddleston no that was some time ago well, sounds, I was going to just, just say that um, <laughs> it seems isn't it a little odd that Romeo and Juliet is released after Valentine's Day wouldn't that be a an obvious it's choice. Not, it's Sherlock Gnomes. Oh, yeah. I thought it was just Gnomes. Yeah. No, no, Sherlock Gnomes. Okay. Uh, nice, anyway, it's my turn, Pete. So, All right. I said a <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Jump in, Paul. Um, yeah, so I, I say excited about, and we, we say this, and it's just sort of films that are coming out, really. I, I'm intrigued by um, Justice League, which comes out um, this Friday. Now, the trailers are absolutely everywhere, I think, as you said, Claire, earlier. that I, I'm with you. I'm so sick of seeing this trailer. They really are everywhere, and the yeah. posters are not appealing. I've got a problem with the marketing of this film. That's okay. all. Okay. Okay. I mean, we can get maybe get into that in a minute. Um, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens with this because um, I think we we might have we've touched on this before. I think Zack Snyder I may have talked about this trailer before actually, but in which case it's out Friday, so we'll talk about it briefly again. I'm intrigued by it because Zack Snyder dropped out at the last minute due due to a family uh, grief due to a family loss, um, and Joss Whedon stepped in um, to pick up the end of the film. Now the reason I'm intrigued about this is because Joss Whedon stepped in at the last minute, so we'll see if Whedon can make any changes to Snyder's not great, not particularly successful formula, uh, and also. This film is only just shy of two hours long, so it feels like some lessons might have been learnt on other superhero films, which, for my money, recently have pretty much all been too long. Um, so I'm kind of intrigued for those reasons. And the, as much as I didn't like Wonder Woman as much as some people, I thought Me. Gal Gadot was very good in it. Um, so anything that puts her front and centre um, is good, I think. So I, I'm intrigued. I don't think I'm still not convinced it will be great but I'm intrigued to see if, if they've learned any lessons And uh, what's your issue with the marketing because I'm aware that I have actually definitely have said all of that on a previous episode when I came up with Justice League so Claire what's your what's your beef with the marketing of, of Justice League well the posters are just uh, they look like they're stuck in, they're playing hide and seek and they're all stuck in a wardrobe that's right. exactly how it looks there's no atmosphere it doesn't tell you a sense of location or what's going on it's just them in the dark all kind of huddled together maybe trying to squeeze the them all on the same person maybe they are all just in a wardrobe for the film that would be interesting <laughs> does, it, does it feel like I mean you know everyone feel free to pitch in but like does it not feel like a bit this is sort of going through the motions I think that's my fear is that like we've got to bring the cinematic universe together here are a load of characters that you recognise that is definite bank you know that you can already cash the cheque on this movie whether it's terrible or great and I suppose that's the thing that makes me feel a little bit fatigued before even getting to it. And and I go into it thinking that we'll roll out of it and do a review and I'll say, this film bored me, but Gal Gadot is great. Um, I, I mean, is that too cynical, Paul? How are you feeling about I, the fact that, you know... I think you're probably right, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I'm not even sure this film will make bank particularly uh, because I, to get it out of the... I have this... This weird thing that I do, uh, Claire, you won't be aware of this, is sometimes to get films out of the way, I will go to a midnight screening so it doesn't interfere with the rest of my week. So I went to I went to book Justice League at a midnight screening, expecting it to be busy because I've got I'm going to a midnight screening of Star Wars because I love Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, and struggled to get tickets for that because they went on sale while I was in Mauritius. But it's a whole other story. I nearly ruined nearly ruined my wedding and honeymoon, but, but I did get tickets. So it was okay. But I've told the story, so it's not another story. Anyway, so I I basically went to book. Uh, uh, Justice League midnight screening tickets expecting it to be mass sold out 
and it wasn't. There was loads of seats still available. So I don't think it'll even make bank peak, to be honest. I but mean, we shall see. The, the Wonder Woman movie did, I think, better than perhaps expected. But then we've got Henry Cavill, incredibly bland. We've got <laughs> Ben Affleck as Batman, incredibly bland. Um, we've got Jason Momoa. He uh, hasn't actually done a standalone Batman yet, has he? No. He's always so, no, been so. Give him a chance. He might actually. It will. Oh, Michael Keaton's always going to be off. my favorite. Like, Batman, something but... about it seems off. Like J- Jason Momoa is in this one, right? As uh, yeah, quite Aquaman. 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 That's Aquaman, sort yeah. of interesting to me. Although yeah. Aquaman seems like a slightly incongruous character. Yeah, to me, but we'll see how it works <laughs> on screen. I guess uh, that Zack Snyder's got his fingerprints on this to begin with. Paul yeah. is always the kind of thing that makes me feel a little perturbed about going to see it. But we will definitely see it. We will definitely review it, and then we'll give you our thoughts at that. Yes, point. in fact, we'll be reviewing it next week. Um, oh, so lucky so you, soon. Claire. If you want to come back on, you've got to see Justice League at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> this is no lie. I'm busy next week. Oh, okay. So you, so you can't see Justice League. Lucky you. <laughs> no. Just a bullet no. then, I think. Yeah, you've just I'm a Marvel girl, really. I know you shouldn't pick sides, but no, I kind of I can see why. After, especially after Thor was so good. Yeah, I can oh, see. Amazing. I can see why. Right. Anyway, we we must crack on. Um, after this, we'll be back with feature reviews. So, there are two features that we're going to be reviewing today, and the first of those is Paddington 2. I'm going to take a sort of, not back seat, but side seat on this one, because I have not seen it, Paul. And I blame you, sir, because I would have seen it yesterday. I was feeling a little bit poorly after uh, after the celebrations of the night before, although we probably all were, and that's a rubbish excuse. Well, well I planned to see it. I initially was going to go see it someday, but thought I would be feeling poorly, as you've so eloquently put it, uh, and went Friday night instead. So, um, I planned for this. I planned for the eventuality well, of feeling poorly shall we say you, um, you win sir because you know given you're a man in your mid-30s where would your self-respect be if you hadn't seen the sequel to the Paddington movie exactly. so uh, please set this one up because I don't know how to do that well I'm terrible at setting up as well so Claire give it give it a crack set up the I'll, I'll give it again keep it brief what happened in, what, what happens in Pad- well set up Paddington 2 okay so in brief um, Paul King has uh, returned as director um, so it was in good hands um, to see uh, Paddington Bear still very very happy with the Brown family and there's Mr and Mrs Brown and their two children and they're all tickety boo it's all fabulous and um, it's Paddington's aunt in Deepest Darkest Peru it's her 100th birthday and he's desperate to find her the perfect birthday present and his uh, good friend who has a curiosity shop has this amazing pop-up book of London and his auntie's always wanted to visit London. He figures, you know, this is as good as, as, as being here. It's such a beautiful book. It's very special. So um, the problem is it's very, very valuable. and costs a lot of money. So he gets a selection of little jobs to try and save up to get this book. Which is I do like the fact there's a pop-up book that costs a thousand pounds. I'm not sure why, yes. but the, the pop-up book in question does cost a thousand pounds, doesn't it? Which is great. I think. Is, it, <laughs> is it about the Babadook? No, it's not, oh, it's not about the Babadook. Because that would no, that would that would be uh, that would yeah, that would be a mate. Well, that's Paddington, a whole other film. Yeah, Paddington and the Babadook. That is a whole other film. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, unfortunately, the shop is broken into and the book is stolen. But the thief frames Paddington. And he gets sent to prison, and wonderful things happen. <laughs> prison too. So I don't yes. want to give anything more, and no more spoilers. But basically, it's a lovely, lovely, lovely film, and I loved it. And we've got a clip. I'm sorry, this is a private conversation. Oh, it's all right, Mr. Brown. This is my friend Knuckles. Go here. And this is Fibs. G'day. Spoon. Hello. Jimmy the Snitch. All right. T-Bone. Watch out. The Professor. Pope. Squeaky Pete. Uh-huh. Double Bass Bob. Hello. Farmer Jack. Okay. Mad Dog. Oof. Johnny Cashpoint. Ka-ching. Sir Jeffrey Wilcott. I hope I can rely on your vote. And Charlie Rumble. <sighs> it's so wonderful to meet you all. <laughs> I must say it's a great relief to know that Paddington's already made such sweet friends. <laughs> Would you excuse us a moment? So that clip is actually, Claire, you've set that up perfectly because the clip which, which, which listeners at home will be aware that Claire can't actually hear was the introduction of his prison friends to the Brown family. So you've, uh, you, you've stopped at the perfect time there. So that, um, so that scene, that scene happens in prison. Um, I, this film, I really, really like this film. I have to say, I, I, I 
I don't know. I I didn't. I wasn't expecting much from the first Paddington, and we did we did touch on this briefly last week. I wasn't expecting much from the first Paddington, and then it, it presently surprised me. And then well, I, was, I had I had high hopes for the sequel, but I didn't think it would be quite as good as it was. I have to say, it was a it was an absolute joy um, from yeah. start to finish. It was just so much fun. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys uh, seem to both be fairly glowing going in, and you're definitely not, not alone. Just having a quick look at the IMDb page, this is currently holding a 90 uh, rating on Metacritic, which is, you know, fairly unheard of for most uh, wide releases, uh, particularly of sort of this crowd-pleasing sort. Mm. Uh, and also a sequel as well. And a sequel, yeah. yeah, where you could expect maybe expectations to drop a little bit from the first one, because I've seen the first one and not this one, and, and really, really enjoyed that. Let's try and you know get into the details though. Other than gushing about it being sort of lovely, why is why does this work so well? Well, I think for me, like Ben Whishaw's Ben Whishaw's performance as Paddington is is incredible. There's something there's something that, like I think people often not enough credits given to voice performances, but Ben Whishaw here as Paddington is is superb. Like the sort of the the sort of mischievous innocence that he, uh, as much as I've just contradicted myself with <laughs> those two words, but I think it kind of makes sense for the Paddington character. Like he just he just imbues him with so much personality and so much charm that it's impossible not to fall in love with with Paddington. And then the other thing that I, that really blew me away on this was Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant is the uh, yeah, just the, is the like this, this kind of villain. yeah, just sneering villainous Hugh Grant who is just on. I personally, I think his best performance that I've seen. Claire, where do you, where do you stand on that? I think he was having so than, much fun. Better than music and lyrics. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. I, I I did love Hugh Grant in this. I thought everyone was just brilliant. Mm. I just, it's um it's just pitch perfect. It's just so funny. Um, and um, the human actors in it were all brilliant. They've all got their lovely delivery of their lines. But the the bear was just it's two things so beautifully animated. You do let your imagination go there, and you believe that this wonderful little childlike bear who's full of wonder and curiosity and is has got no filter as well. Some of his lines have been really really funny because he just says stuff how they are. But what I really loved was the humour in it that had no dialogue. It was almost like a, a silent movie sometimes. The comedy set pieces um, were very slapstick and proper, proper clowning. And um, so, so it was just funny. It was just lovely to watch. And it was just, they didn't, it didn't need to be explained to the children or to the adults. It was just so easy no, I think, watching. I think what was nice about this this kind of comedy as well is where it was, you watch certain Pixar things and, and certain jokes go above the kids' heads and then adults laugh at certain jokes and kids laugh at other jokes. And, and that seems to be the way in Pixar, which is great, and I, and I applaud that. But I think what I liked about Paddington is that adults and kids are laughing ex- in exactly the same places. There's not mm. really any, there's not really any, like, it doesn't, there's, doesn't, there's, doesn't need any clever subtext or anything like that. It is just genuinely a crowd pleaser. And I... Yeah. Normally, cannot stand things that play from the middle of the road and try and pander for like a, as a wider audience as possible. No, no, no intent. I know I was about to say no pun intended, but um, <laughs> I've got to yeah. do something, listeners. Yeah. I've yeah. got to do something. Yeah. Um, and I, I normally, yeah, as I said, I despise things that that play, that play for the middle of the road normally, and and this does, but does it so well, like so well, like I just. I just came out of it and I was like that and I'd, I'd had I think I'd had quite a quite a busy day at work to be honest and I, I went into the cinema not in the not in the best of moods and also because they suddenly would have cocked up Predator the night before so I wasn't in a I wasn't in a great I wasn't in a great mood but I came out of it just just uplifted I, I really really yeah. rated it you, you went all in there all like you've cocked up Predator you better get Paddington 2 right guys yeah. that was exactly the Instagram comment in fact was it really <laughs> yeah. it was. are you aware Sorry. sorry sorry to cut across you, Claire. I was just going to say to both of you guys, you mentioned Paul King, Safe Hands, director. I had no idea that Paul King, the director of both of these Paddington movies, was also a, the director of many episodes of The Mighty Boosh. You would have done if you yeah. listened to all of last week's episode, Pete. Well, yeah. I told you before this one that I did not do that, Paul. It's, it's also written by, um, with Paul King, um, Simon Farnaby, who my my daughter immediately recognised him from Horrible Histories. And Mindhorn. Um, and and he co-wrote Mindhorn so, and Yonderland. So he's, you know, it's a really good partnership because it's just very it's just very very funny and they're um of course both being british and it's all set in london it has that british feel without it being syrupy or, or um twee 
it's just very very yeah, sweet it, it's yeah it cuts a close line at, at times but it manages to get it right i don't, don't think it ever oversteps that mark i think which is I yeah i don't know if um, you noticed there's also that the production design is just gorgeous to watch as well because oh, the, there's that well, there's that one shot where the pop-up book like it goes into the pop-up book and Paddington, yeah. like meets his aunt and i was just like i wanted to see more of that like they're not it's not a what? criticism i wanted to see more stuff like that because it just looked amazing like genuinely that stunning me that reminded me of the original Paddington series in mm. the 70s and 80s where they had these almost like cut-out character, um, paper characters, but Paddington was this little stop-motion mo- um, bear. Yeah. And I thought I think that was a, just a subtle nod to that mm. era. Oh, okay, and so, so I'm not that familiar with the, with the, the original stuff. But yeah, I'm, I really show, like I'm showing my age now, I think. <laughs> but um, there's also the, the use of colour. I don't know if you noticed, like in the brown house... It's all rich, warm, homely, lovely colours. It's all welcoming and, and and just vibrant. And then in prison, it was like this it was like watching a Wes Anderson film. It was all oh, pastel yeah, and yeah. it is stunning. I wanna to go to prison if Paddington is an inmate because he really turned that place around. Just, it's just, just, cut, just, just cut that clip, Jack. I wanna to go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> and you can play that back later. <laughs> So yeah, I think it's a, it's a thumbs up all round. And Pete, get to it. Uh, Jack, see it at some I point. Do, um, yeah. Pete, definitely get to it this week because you, if you if you like the first one, uh, better than the first one, Claire. Possibly, it, it's certainly as good as the original. I think. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's um, it's just staying well. In it, it wasn't being safe by any means because there was some really exciting things going on, and it was um, it was different to the first one. But that's. It, but it was all just really good. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I agree. I, Lots I, I, of words. It's just I completely weird. agree. Um, right, we'll be back after this short break with a review of Predator. So, Predator is the second of our choices this week for a feature a good match with Paddington Two. I think review. Yeah, absolutely. There are you know birds of a feather. Um, Predator, I suppose, coming back to cinemas. Um, not without uh, knowledge of the fact maybe that the, the Predator drops in in 2018, the Shane Black uh, follow-up to the 1987 film. So the 87 film has been screened wide around the country and given people a chance. It wasn't screened wide in City World. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, get, get on to that later. But um, yeah, screened to enough people to maybe jog the memory of this uh, often quoted, much beloved uh air quotes classic of the late 1980s action films it is um, a classic of the 1980s action genre there's no doubt about that it, it depends it, what you think of the genre as whether you consider it an all time classic but it's, it's a genre classic it's a it's a genre classic of the late 1980s um, and yeah this one um, directed by John McTiernan and obviously starring Arnold Schwarzenegger everybody is aware of that um, there may be people who are fans of Arnie who haven't yet got to this, but they will be few and far between. Uh, we see a group of guys dropped into the jungle. They're hunted by a mysterious figure that they cannot see, um, and that does horrible, horrible things to their comrades uh, at almost every turn. There's a lot of gunfire. Uh, there's a lot of shouting. And there's and a lot of one-liners from Jesse Ventura. Yeah, you're going to hear um, both the maybe the shouting and the one-liners, and definitely the gunfire in this clip. Son of a bitch is dug in like an Alabama tick. You're hit. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. Oh. Okay. You got time to duck? So yeah, that um, that Claire was the um, Jesse Ventura clip when he proclaims that he doesn't have any time to bleed. Um, yeah, that's which, my favourite line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And talking of blood, yeah, listeners now mop the droplets of blood from just under your uh, ears, uh, thanks to the the ricochet of bullets in that in that particular bit of audio. We apologise for that, but we did warn you, um, Paul. You, I think, going in and what you said in my setup indicates to me that you already had a lot of love for this film. So maybe kick us off. I why do you like Predator so much? If indeed that's the case, I don't like Predator. I fucking love Predator. Right there we go. I've said it. <laughs> I'll drop that. 
I've dropped that there. I just think, I just think in terms of it's got it's it's it knows how it knows how over the top it is. It's knowingly silly. It definitely doesn't take itself too seriously, um, and it's got some of the it's got some absolutely classic creature design in in the Predator itself. Um, also, it's uh, for me it's set the standard for the kind of um, marine the marine team kind of bromance things that so many other action films try and do and just miss completely because Predator is out there. Like the um, the camaraderie of the cast uh, comes across and the fact they're all trying to outdo each other. And I actually met um, at Collector Mania the guy that plays Pancho, one of the marines, and he said that they weren't really acting. They were just all trying to outdo each other the entire time. And if you watch like the making of, watching watching them have like, arm wrestling matches on set and stuff like that, it's, it's very entertaining uh, to watch. And for me, it's just... It's like the, the the peak of 1980s action cinema. It's just it's so overblown. It's absolute nonsense, but it's highly highly entertaining. Um, and Schwarzenegger is on on great form, as is Jesse Ventura, as you just heard in the clip. Um, Claire, you saw this for the first time, didn't you? I think, which is which is good. That's possibly. right. I've, I've <laughs> never seen it before, um, which which is bizarre because I'm sure my dad probably watched it most Sunday afternoons during my childhood but it just passed me by at the time. And I, I, so I didn't really know what to expect from it really other than my other knowledge of 80s action films, which I, I love, I grew up on them. And this didn't disappoint, I really enjoyed yes. it. And, <laughs> but I, I think, thinking about it, um, my perspective has been very different to when I've spoken to you guys about it and my other mostly male friends who all watched it when they were kids. And I yep. think that's the difference. I'm watching it as a 37-year-old woman, and you all watched it when you shouldn't be watching it because it was probably it was, was classified as an 18. You were probably yeah, uh, yeah. 13, 13, 14, I, I think, when I watched it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so at the yeah. time you're like, oh, this is freaking awesome, and I was like, oh, that's oh man, that's a bit graphic. This should just <laughs> be an 18 again, actually. So they brought it down to 15, and I don't yeah. I don't quite agree with that. I've got a bit sensible head on, but um. What I loved about the, um, the the storytelling within it was actually how the predator was hunting them and they were hunting the predator, but they were very much on an equal battlefield because they couldn't see him because of his camouflage um, special suit. And um, he couldn't see them because they can only see heat. So all of that kind of, all that element, it was very, it was like, um, like a, a horror thriller that was in daylight. Do you, do you know what I mean? Which is kind of unusual. It's like when you watch Don't Breathe, you can see, I don't know if you've seen Don't Breathe. Yeah, That's yeah. Never good. They can see him, but he's blind and he can't see them. So it's kind yeah. of interesting how you, there's lights on, but they're still kind of running around as if they're in the dark. Yeah, so it's all, it's all really interesting. But I also, I'm a big, big lover of um, practical effects in films. Mm-hmm. I think CG can sometimes be overused. It's got its place, like in Paddington too, for sure. But the fact that it was practical effects, like the, the explosions and the gunfire, and especially the, the creature itself, that's freaking awesome. His face was just amazing. It's all animatronic, and I can't imagine how many puppeteers actually... Would you have enjoyed it as much if it had been a seven or eight foot high insect played by Jean-Claude Van Damme? Because that was, I believe, the original plan for the Predator creature. Then it got shelved for a few years and I think um, Sam Winston came in to redesign the Predator and you got what you actually saw. So I'm quite relieved oh. actually that, that happened because it was supposed to be, I think, a bit like a giant praying mantis at one point, which I think would have been utter shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, this, this guy who looks... Yeah, he's the, the, the only bit that was questionable was when you, there was a, a close-up of him mending a wound and it was like clearly a bloke with gloves on. But that was the only time I was like, mm, that was a bit poo. But the rest of it just looked like it hadn't... There's an early section though, isn't it, where, where he looks like a, some leaves. It looks really silly. <laughs> like the first time the camera looks directly at the place. But that, you know, don't get mad at me. I'm just saying one part of it looks <laughs> oh, like that that was, that was yeah. How dare both of you? How dare both of you? <laughs> but up uh, but. It, um, the whole film, I didn't think aged actually, considering it's 30 years old, but it's in a chopper from the get go and then it's in the jungle. So there's no sense of era 
No, you don't no. see eighties clothes uh, really at all because they're all in their camo gear from from the, the get go. Well, and one thing that struck me rewatching uh, Predator is the way in which Kong Skull Island, uh, and at least its opening, owes so much to this film. Like the flyover with the jungle with the helicopters is yeah. is so similar as to be a little bit silly. Yeah, um, yeah I mean. The, obviously, the the fairly heavy-handed metaphor here is is the Vietnam War, right? Like I'm not I'm not being daft. No, no, no. I'm overthinking I, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got like this unseen uh, antagonist enemy uh, somewhere in the jungle, and I think that John McTiernan and the director here is not not too interested in maybe the, the subtleties of this metaphor, and more interested in people sort of spraying machine gun bullets into the air. But like that is a lot of fun. Like, there's a load of fun to be had with Predator. I just think, for me, it's one of those films that if you think... Too, maybe it's a cliche to say this, but if you think too much about it, um, you're, you're going to get less out of it than if you, you sort of leave your brain to one side and just sort of enjoy... Oh, yeah, the, you totally need to leave your ...indiscriminate violence. And, and also, like, some, some quite... Uh, uh, I don't know how, how best to say this... Um, uh, unsavoury script writing at times. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, again, I don't. For me. I don't think the filmmakers are, are too worried about about sort of throwaway vagina jokes and stuff no, like that. No, I, I, I've got to say, the the only thing that made me go, "Ooh, that dated it," was the word use of the word "pussy." Yeah. You yeah. don't you don't really hear that nowadays. Probably the last time I heard it was in uh, from *Dust Till Dawn*. Used a lot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was, that was a word of the eighties. But yes. yeah, there was a there, but all the other uh, one-liners, certainly the one that you played, I got tired to bleed. I thought was brilliant. That was just so great. I think like what, one of the things I like most about Predator is a sort of, as you said, Paul, the way that it seems to know to a decent degree that it, it's very daft, yeah. right, from the outset. Because when you have that first. Arnie meets uh, Carl Weathers arm wrestling sequence yeah, yeah. where it's just like two two old mates meet each other again and obviously we've got an arm wrestle standing up yeah. not leaning on anything <laughs> to, like, see, yeah, to see who's the stronger man and the camera just zooms in on a pair of biceps you're like yeah this is where we are like this is where we are in this kind of territory and just like enjoy it for what it is because there's a, a great deal to enjoy enjoy there and you know I, I have got the, the overriding feeling that if I say even one more even vaguely negative comment Paul is going to like dive across the table and end <laughs> me so um, I'm going to say that Predator is my favourite film good uh, ever made that's what I like to hear yes that's what I like to hear um, right that pretty much brings us to the end of the show so we'll be back um, next week we'll, we will have done our have you seen homework by that point we haven't done that yet um, because we've been all quite busy well, I think Surprisingly hard to come by the grand yes. illusion. I bought fair. it, so you can we can well, maybe. You would, Daddy Cash over yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm um, still so... saving up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, so we'll be back next week. We will we will be back with that. Um, in the meantime, you can find us on at Strangers Cinema on Twitter or at Strangers Cinema on Instagram. Um, and that's it from us this week. So it's goodbye from me. Get to the chopper. Shut up and sit down. Shut up and sit down.